experienced it in our lives, right? Like where you're just somewhere and you're like, I, I can't believe I'm here. Like, this is what I wanted and it's leaving me dry, hanging. And the beauty is, is that when us as priests of the Most High God, a kingdom of priests, a holy people, when we go out into the world, the proof of the loss that comes from living in rebellion against God is evident in the people who are doing it and they feel it. They feel the tension. Have you ever gone on vacation only to come home more exhausted than when you left? Often what you think will fill you up actually leaves you more empty. Today, Pastor Daniel teaches you that this isn't unusual. He shares that only God can ultimately give you what you need to thrive. When you turn to the Lord and begin a relationship with Him, you'll find deep satisfaction and unconditional love. Nothing else can give you this. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Leviticus chapter 14 as he continues his message, Cleansing for Blemishes. Just like that prodigal son, we took the inheritance, we got this life, and we squandered it, we wasted it. And at some point, we thought to ourselves, we need to go back to our father. And what's funny is when you come back to, to the Father, he doesn't say, well, listen, man, yeah, you, you wasted everything I gave you. Yeah, you could, be my, you could be my help, you know. No. He throws a party. He rejoices that you're home. That's what Leviticus 14 is about. It's about people who were completely isolated from God, completely isolated from the community of faith being restored. And God makes provision for restoration. And if you're in here today, or you're listening online, or, you know, and you're just thinking, there's no way, there's no way God would accept me back again. I'm here to tell you that that's not the voice of your loving Father. That's not, that's not who He is. He loves you, and He knows everything about you. He's not afraid of you. He's not afraid of your mistakes. He's not afraid of your rebellion. He knew all about it. Jesus became all of that at the cross, and he conquered it. So come home today. Come home today. God has made provision for you to come home. Now, let's see how it works out in the lives of these people who have these illnesses that have separated. So Leviticus 14, verse 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall examine him, and indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper, verse 4, then the priest shall command to take for him who is to be cleansed to living and clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it, the cedar wood, and the scarlet, and the hyssop, and dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from the leprosy, and shall pronounce him clean, and he shall let the living bird loose 
in the open field. Now, notice what happens. When somebody who has been diagnosed with this skin disease, and they're out of the camp, and they find that they've been healed, they call for the priest, and notice the priest leaves the camp. He leaves the camp to go meet them. Why? Because they're outside the camp for protection. They don't want the disease to spread, so they're isolated outside the camp. But notice that the priests of God go outside the camp to go meet the people who are isolated on their own turf. Now, obviously, I'm going to make an an application for that. Because, brothers and sisters, if you're here tonight, if you go to church, if you're born again, you love God, you need to go outside the camp and meet people where they are. And the church lost that along the way. And I'm not saying, I mean, the church in general. There was a time when people just, I mean, I want to get right with God. I'm going to go to church. The pastor would preach the gospel and people would get saved. Now, when people want to get right, they don't go to church. And the key for us is we need to bring the church to them. We need to leave the safety of our family. And we all do it every day, don't we? We go out into the world, but we want to go and meet people where they are. Right where they are. Now, it doesn't mean we need to sin that we may reach them. But we need to be willing to go on out and say, hey, listen, you should come on back. You should, we're going to be friends. We're going we're to spend some time together. The priest went out to, the, to where the people who were isolated were to check them out on their turf. And so what that means, if you're a student, man, you're a missionary. If you have a job, you're a missionary, even if you work at a church. We're all missionaries. We're outreaching people in the name of Jesus. We're loving them on their terms. We're not trying to say, listen, you need to get all together. And No, man, we just go meet them right where they are. And we speak to them. And we love them. We care about them. And we look out for them. And we're light. Not because we say that you shouldn't say that. You shouldn't do that. We just simply love them right where they are. And they say, hey, so I don't understand what's going on. You say, well, can I tell you? I remember when I was in the Bay Area and I was playing music. You know, as I was planning, I was pastoring two churches and it was a very expensive place to live. I was playing gigs and it was so fun because I had all these guys who they'd be like, oh, pastor, you know, Daniel, they call you the pastor, don't they, on Sundays? I'm like, yeah, like, well, we're not going to call you that. I love that, you know, the sticking it to me, you know. They might call you pastor on Sunday. You're just the bass player tonight. And then, and then they would say things like, well, we're never going to your church. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I brought the church right here to this club, you know. But you know what's funny, though? And I don't say this to pat myself on the back. It's just my experience. Every time something went wrong in their life, who did they call? Yeah. And I would say to them, I'm like, look, do you really want my opinion or do you just want me to just feel bad for you right now? And I'm from New Jersey, so I can get away talking that way. You know? It's part of my charm, you know? And they would say, no, I really want to know what you think. I remember one guy, he was living with a girl. It fell apart. He was brokenhearted. And I'm like, well, you, you know what the problem is. I'm like, you're pretending like you're married. You're not married. That's the problem. I'm like, so you got to have all this stuff together. You're not married. You never made a commitment to each other. You know why it hurts? Because not only did this not work, but you guys did all sorts of things that you weren't supposed to do. And now you're like, I don't know what to do with myself. He's like, so what are you saying is I shouldn't live with women? I'm like, yeah, you're right. You should make a commitment. I'm like, before you make a commitment, you should be a good guy. Like, how many women have you lived with in the time that we've been friends? Looks at me. You know? Because you know what's amazing? Some of you grew up in the church. You guys never did anything wrong. And man, we say praise God for you. You know what I mean? Like, praise God. Like, like you're blessed. 
But I realize that people who grew up in the church, like they have their own faith journey. When you grow up around all the time, it's not always easy to make your faith your own because you're so used to it, right? But for those of us who didn't spend our upbringing honoring God, you know the emptiness of rebellion against God. We've all experienced it in our lives, right? Like where you're just somewhere and you're like, I I can't believe I'm here. Like this is what I wanted and it's leaving me dry, hanging. And the beauty is, is that when us as priests of the Most High God, a kingdom of priests, a holy people, when we go out into the world, the proof of the loss that comes from living in rebellion against God is evident in the people who are doing it. And they feel it. They feel the tension because they know that they were created for more than that. How many of us, before we came to faith, even before somebody even told us it was wrong, we were struggling with the existential dilemma of what we were doing and how it made us feel, that this wasn't fulfilling. This isn't what I wanted. I'm doing what I want to do, and it's not really what I want. Why do I get what I want, and I get nothing? Why is this the case? So our presence there, we're simply there to catch the fruit that's going to fall off the tree because... It's already empty and they know it. But what most people don't have is they don't have people who love God around them. So when it's time for them to fall, they'll be like, hey, listen, man. God loves you. God's for you. God took care of you. Because we isolate ourselves. But the priests go out of the camp. They go meet with them where they are. Right? And he examines them. And if the leper's healed, then there's the cleansing ritual. Take for him who is cleansed two living and clean birds, cedarwood, scarlet, and hyssop. So we have two wild living birds and then cedarwood, scarlet, and hyssop. And what you have is that one of the birds is sacrificed because, remember, we've been talking about this the whole time, the the reality of the sacrifice, that because the wages of sin is death, in order for sins to be forgiven, somebody needs to pay the price. Now, people struggle with that today because they're like, oh, those poor birds or those poor goats or those poor lambs. But as I always say, forgiveness always costs somebody something. It always does. That's the way it works. When all those banks had liquidity problems, when all the banks failed, somebody had to fill in the gap and the government decided to do it. Or they let certain banks fail. And because those banks were big, they got that opportunity. A lot of us lost a lot of stuff because there was nobody willing to die. And so we had to deal with that end of it. But in order to bring things together, forgiveness always costs somebody something. And ultimately, all the sacrifices point to God's ultimate sacrifice, the blood of Jesus, the blood that cleanses once for all, God's own provision. All of the animals were precursors. They were meant to be symbols and types of God's ultimate cleansing. And so in order for somebody who was separated from the people to be returned into the covenant community, a bird, and now again, it's a wild bird, and so the idea is it couldn't have been a pet because, again, they're concerned, obviously, about the health if they're uh, an animal or a caged animal within it. So birds, and then one would be killed over running water, Again, all of this is, how many of you guys know that you shouldn't drink standing water, right? Only running water. You guys know this, right? Why? Because when it's something standing still, it gets nasty, right? But if it's running, 
it's got a self-purifying aspect to it. So the bird is killed, the blood over running water, and then it's all applied to the person as they are brought back into the covenant community. Now, it's beautiful here because the selection of two clean birds speaks of the renewed state of cleanness in the healed person. So you have these clean birds, they're sacrificed. This is the cleansing ritual for reintegration. Now, look at what happens. In verse 8, it says, He who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, and wash himself in water that he may be clean. After that, he shall come into the camp and shall stay outside his tent seven days. But on the seventh day, he shall shave all the hair of his head and his beard and his eyebrows. You guys ever see the wall, the movie The Wall? Yeah. Every time I read that, shaving your eyebrows. Don't shave your eyebrows, please. If you never saw the Pink Floyd movie, The Wall, don't, don't. I had a long past. But that guy's freaking out. He shaves his eyebrows. It just looks really weird. I know you ladies do it, and then you pencil it in and stuff, but that's a whole other discussion. I don't know. Any, I'm not a makeup artist, so I'll leave that off. Anyway, I digress. Middle of verse 9 All his hair he shall shave off, he shall wash his clothes. And wash his body in water, and he shall be clean. And on the eighth day, verse 10, he shall take two male lambs without blemish, one ewe lamb of the first year without blemish, three tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, and one log of oil. Then the priest who makes him clean shall present the man, verse 11, and those things before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And the priest shall take one male lamb, and offer it as a trespass offering and the log of oil and wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then he shall kill the lamb in the place where he kills the sin offering and the burnt offering in the holy place. For as a sin offering is the priest, so is the trespass offering. It is most holy. Verse 14, the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering and the priest shall put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed on the right thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. And the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand. Then the priest shall dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand and shall sprinkle some of the oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. And of the rest of the oil in his hand, the priest shall put some on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and the thumb of the right hand and the big toe of the right foot on the blood of the trespass offering. The rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. Verse 19, and the priest shall offer the sin offering and make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. Afterward, he shall kill the burnt offering and the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. So the priest shall make atonement for him and he shall be clean. Now, we mentioned this last week. Notice, after the initial ceremony of the two birds, now it says that this person needs to wash their clothes, shave off all their hair, and wash themselves under water that they be clean. So the priest declares this person clean. They have the initial offering. Now you get, you get a shower, or literally more a bath. You get a, a fresh set of clothes, and you completely shave. Now, as we said, shaving was not normal in that culture. You got to remember, it was long before all the different layers of clothes we had, 
The reason there's hair on different parts of our body is to protect us from the elements in that culture, especially the Jewish culture. They weren't allowed to shave the sides of their beard, which means that they were just supposed to keep growing their beards. So seeing somebody completely shaven, it, it was a symbolic act saying this person is brand new, like a child all over again, like a baby, all over again. So they're completely washed. They're, they have their clothes changed. They get everything is shaven, and they're allowed to go back into the camp, but they're not allowed to go back into their tent. So notice, they're in, but they're not all the way in. They're readmitted, but there's still more to go. Why? Because we have a seven-day ritual once again. Now, why seven days? You guys remember? Because of the seven days of creation. This is a symbolic act. They'll come back in. There's a seven-day waiting period for them to be recreated again. The idea is, of course, is that they want to make sure that although it looks good, once he shaves and showers, he goes back in, they can inspect him again just to make sure that nothing pops up that they didn't notice. Now, on the seventh day, verse 9, he shall shave all the hair off his head and his beard and his eyebrows. All of his hair he shall shave off. He shall wash his clothes, wash his body in water, and he shall be clean. Now, so notice, he shaves, washes, showers, Goes in seven days later, it all happens again. Because now they're saying, okay, it's time. And then they have the next cleansing ritual, which is a sin offering and a trespass offering. And if you studied the sacrifice series with us, we went over what the sin offering was and what the trespass offering was. And if you're like, hey, I I missed that, you can go check it out on our archives on our website. Just go under media, go under archives, go under sacrifice. You can study them all. We did all the different offerings, what they were, how they functioned. So a couple of interesting points here. First, the priest who is doing this takes the trespass offering, he takes the log of oil, and he does a wave offering, which was a type of offering where you waved what it was before the Lord, you showed it, you lifted up your hands. Now, after they killed the lamb, notice that the person who is being cleansed gets the blood of the offering on his right ear, his right thumb, and his right big toe. Now, if you remember when they were anointing the priests, they did the exact same thing. And we made the point, the idea about the cleansing on your right ear. Now, why the right as opposed to the left? Because the majority of the people in the world are right-handed. doesn't mean that those of you who are left-handed are inferior. You're just unique. And unique's not bad. I, I'm unique. So, the... It was the predominance of people in that culture and in ours are right-handed. I think it's about 12% or 13% of the people are left-handed. Everyone else is right-handed. So the idea of the right side was the side of strength. That's why Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. It's a place of power. And so the right ear, because God wants to cleanse what we hear. The right thumb, God wants to cleanse how we use our hands. Our right big toe, God wants to cleanse where our feet are going. So the idea is a holistic cleansing. God wants to cleanse what we hear, how we use our hands, and where we choose to walk. So first, you get the blood, and then, what does it say? The priest takes some of the oil, he puts it in his left hand, he dips his right finger in, and he puts the oil on the right ear, the right thumb, and the right big toe. Right? Now, now think about this. Blood, of course, is a picture of who? Jesus, right? The blood of Jesus. So first you get cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Oil is a picture of what? The Holy Spirit. Because after you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you get empowered with the Holy Spirit. And brothers and sisters, I pray that you are saying, God, I want to be empowered with your Holy Spirit. And we want a holistic empowering. 
See, the problem with the way people think about the Holy Spirit today is we want to isolate the Holy Spirit to like a worship service. Like the only time the Holy Spirit can move is when we're all together. No, 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 no. We want to live spirit-filled lives 24-7. We want to be in the Spirit under the influence of the Holy Spirit all the time. And we don't just want spirit-filled words. See, we live in a day and age where because of the gifts of the Spirit, many of them are speaking gifts, that we forget that the Holy Spirit wants to drench the totality of our lives. Where we walk our feet. You think about someone like Philip in the book of Acts. He was in the middle of a huge revival. God was using him. The Holy Spirit, look, I want you to go somewhere else. And he goes on out and he meets one Ethiopian eunuch. Can you imagine you're in the middle of a revival? God's like, hey, I want you to go. You're like, Lord, it's a revival. Like, hello? Like, you're on the move here, Lord. I'm not going anywhere. Lord's like, no, 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 no. And Philip goes, gets whisked away, and he meets one Ethiopian eunuch. Now, this, this man went to worship in Jerusalem, and according to the law, we're going to get to it. If someone's a eunuch, they can't go in. Not allowed. So this guy travels all this way from Ethiopia to worship, most likely, although it doesn't say, he gets turned away because he's not eligible to worship because of his eunuchness. That's good, isn't it? And he's out there, and he's reading a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And the Lord tells Philip, overtake that chariot. You can imagine just Philip, like, jogging, you know, like, listening to this guy reading out this scroll. And he's like, hey, uh, do you understand what you're hearing, what you're listening to? And he's like, no, no, who can? He's like, I can explain it to you. And he gets on into this chariot, and he explains the prophecy in Isaiah to this Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch is like, okay, yeah, I believe. Like, we'd be baptized right now. There's water right there. Sure enough, he gets baptized, and right as they come up out of the water, what does the Spirit do? Pulls Philip away again. Now, you might think, God, it makes no sense for you to take me out of the middle of a revival, except for God wanted to get the gospel to Ethiopia. And the church wasn't going to Ethiopia for a long time, except for the fact that there was a eunuch who God wanted to save so that that eunuch who was going back home could bring the gospel. See, we don't want to isolate the Holy Spirit to very specific areas of our world. We want to say, Holy Spirit, we want you to revolutionize my worldview. I want you to revolutionize the totality of my life, what I value, why I value it, what I listen to and why I listen to it, what I involve myself in and what I choose not to involve myself in. Jesus is real. Today, Pastor Daniel asked you to allow God to fill up every part of your life with the Holy Spirit. Instead of only letting him into certain areas of your world, God wants to transform the whole of who you are through the work of the Spirit. When you invite him in, you'll not only be changed, but you'll begin to live the full and exciting life that God longs to give you. If you let him, God will use you to impact the people around you with his love. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real 
at danielfusco.com. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share that God cares about all people, regardless of who they are and what they have. You'll see this in the types of offerings God accepted from the ancient Israelites. Regardless of income, God made a way for his people to come back to him. This is still the case. God longs for all people to have a relationship with him. Only in him will you find soul-deep healing and overwhelming peace. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Cleansing. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.